Now, New Year's has a way of bringing with us new hopes, new dreams, new commitments. Now, most of us know those only last a few days to a week, but uh, that's what usually happens. So I'm going to take advantage of the day because most of us are still thinking real high and thinking, man, I got this thing. We're going to do it. We got these new dreams, these new hopes, these new commitments. It's a time in New Year's that seems to be like hitting a reset button. I don't know much about computers. When I have problems, I usually have to call somebody that knows more than me. And one of the things they tell me is, Pat, just turn off the computer. Leave it off for a minute, then turn it back on. And I'm amazed how many times that fixes the problem, clears things up, cleans out all the clutter, and you start fresh and new. And New Year's has a way of hitting the reset button in our lives and kind of cleans out some of that clutter right here at the start as we dream, we hope, we commit. I know that's true of me. My guess is true of you. It's even true of us as a church. And I think there's few people that would deny that the last few years there's been quite a bit of clutter in the world around us that has created a lot of clutter inside of our hearts. And some people are stuck in the clutter. Um, you know, I love that song today. There's a lot of, you guys, that was amazing worship today. Uh, absolutely, the songs. <laughs> so true. I, I'm amazed at times when I have peace when I shouldn't. And that's only because of Jesus. And, and, and when we look at our life right now and all the clutter, when we focus on Jesus and put our hope within him, there's something that is set clean and cleans out all the clutter and refocuses us back where we need to be. But some are stuck. It's been a couple of tough years and, and your mind right now is we're gonna get more of the same. This 2023 is gonna be no different than 21 and 22 and expecting a lot of junk and a lot of clutter. But God really does want us to be expecting new things from him. That's what we learn in the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 42 because God had a word of encouragement for Judah. Judah's the southern kingdom in Israel. There's the northern and southern kingdom. And they had a lot of clutter in their lives and a lot of clutter in their hearts and a lot of clutter in their relationship with God. And yet God had a word for them. I got good news for you if you've been here for a number of months. If you were here for our series, The People of Promise, you'll be equipped to understand these two chapters. You can get confused because it kind of goes back between God disciplining his people and God loving his people and God putting his people in captivity and God promising to put it, get, deliver his people. You go, what in the world is that about? Well, you understand that now. And as you, these are two amazing chapters. I have to admit, as I just read yesterday, just not reviewing my sermon, but the passage, I ended up in worship. It's an amazing passage of God's love in the midst of his unfaithful, unresponsive people and how God continues to move towards them and love them and bless them in spite of their disobedience. For some of us, that's an encouragement. 
But uh, Isaiah was written for this purpose. It was written to Judah as he was, because they were in sin. They were getting caught into idolatry and they were leaving their God and they were breaking his laws over and over again. And so Isaiah wrote to Judah to confront them regarding their sin, to call them to repentance and tell them about the blessings that are going to come if they would repent. But we also learn in this book that they're not going to repent. And so we learn about the captivity that they're going to go into in Babylon. And in chapter 42, I want to give you the immediate context. Look at verse 18. He's speaking about Israel, calling them his servant and his messenger. And he talks about their unresponsiveness to God's word. So I just want you to get the feel of the context before we move into today's passage. Hear, you deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant, my servant Judah, or so deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is so blind as he that is at peace with me? They're, they're God's people. And there's nobody's more blind than them. Or so blind as the servant of the Lord. You have seen many things, but you do not observe them. Your eyes are open, but none hears. They're seeing it all. <laughs> they're hearing it all, but they're not getting it. The Lord was pleased for his righteous sake to make the law great and glorious. So here we got a people. God has put his law out in front of them. The way he wants them to live and the promises of blessing for obedience and, and curses for disobedience. And God says, it's all in front of you and you're missing it. You don't get it. And then we see down in verse 23 that God is going to give them over to discipline, just like he said he would. Look at down here in verse, um, I'm sorry, starting verse 20, yeah, 23. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will give heed and listen hereafter? Who gave Jacob up for spoil and Israel to plunders? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? In whose ways they were not willing to walk and whose laws they did not obey? So he poured out on him the heat of his anger and the fierceness of battle and it set him aflame all around. Here God is saying, here his servant, his messenger, the one, who, the one who's at peace with him, whom he loves, are disobedient, unresponsive. God's going to bring discipline upon them. And then he says this at the end of verse 25. Even in the midst of the discipline, yet he did not recognize it. And it burned him, but he paid no attention. Basically, God was spanking him, and he didn't get it. He still didn't get what's going on. But then we turn to chapter 43, and there's a, there's a change in the tone. And this is what really drove me to worship yesterday. When I think of the people that God is dealing with, and when I think of these dealing with me, and I'm not much different than Israel, but listen now in verse 40, chapter 43, verse 1. But now thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, 
and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I want you to think about this as I read this passage. Let's keep it in context. We claim this often for ourselves, which we can and we should. The principle is true, but we need to understand the context. The waters and the fires that Israel is going to walk through were the waters and the fires of captivity in Babylon. And so the first application of this passage I'm going to read is going to be to Israel there in captivity and God's promise to be with them and protect them. We can claim that as well, but I want you to understand the proper use of it. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, since you are precious in my sight since you are honored and I love you. I'll tell you what, I couldn't help, when I got done worshiping, I'm you know, reading the chapter before and how these people are so unresponsive and disobedient to God. And yet here God says, you're precious to me. I love you. When you guys go through the hard times, I'm gonna be there with you. I'm gonna carry you, I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna protect you because you are precious in my sight. You're honored and I love you. Now, if I was Dan Fletcher preaching this, I'd break into amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Isn't this amazing love? This is what he's saying right in the face of this disobedient, unresponsive people. You're precious in my sight and I love you. Then we go into verse 14 and 15 and God talks about how he's going to judge Babylon. They're the ones who they're going to go into captivity to. Verse 14, he says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I have sent to Babylon and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. I'm going to send you to Babylon, but don't worry, I'm going to deal with Babylon after I'm done using them to deal with you. And now is the passage I want us to focus on this morning. Now we got the context. And you need to understand, this is written at a time before they got into captivity, but he's talking to them about their time in captivity, and he's going to talk to them about the way they should be thinking when they're there in Babylon. And he starts off in verses 16 and 17 and reminds them of the exodus. Listen to this. Thus says the Lord who makes a way through the sea. We sang that this morning, by the way. <laughs> the Lord who makes a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man, they will lie down together and not rise again. They have been quenched and extinguished like a wick. This is a clear reference back to the exodus from Egypt. 
God made a way for them through the sea. And then what happened? The chariots and all their horses and their army and their mighty men came afterwards. And what happened? God brought the seas back on them and he quenched them out. He's referring back to the Exodus. But then now he goes and says this. This is how you should think when you're in Babylon in your captivity. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. God made a roadway or a path for Israel out of their captivity and their bondage of Egypt through the sea. And now he's saying, hey guys, don't, don't think back about that one there and look for something similar to that. I'm actually gonna make a roadway through the wilderness for you and I'm gonna provide drink for you like rivers in the desert. And the action step and application for us today, it's very personal to me, I'll share that in a minute, but let me help you see what, what we're called to do. As we move into 2023, the action step God gave them when they were going to be in Babylon is what he's calling us to today. And look at back at verse 18. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder on the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. That's our encouragement. That's the application. Don't set your mind on the past and thinking about what things were like then, whether it be the clutter or junk or even the good things that God did for you there. We are called to remember those, to remember that God is, is a powerful God and what he's done for us. But we, don't, we shouldn't expect that God does everything exactly in the future the way he did it in the past. Because in the future, again, God's going to be faithful and God's going to deliver them and God's going to make a roadway, but he's going to do it in a whole different way, a whole new thing. And so what he's telling them is, guys, don't set your mind on what I did in the past looking for that. Put your mind on him looking for something brand new. Let go of the old, pick up on the new. You know what? I've been learning this last year that before I can grab onto the new, I got to let go of the old. And, and so many of us are hanging, well, God did it that way in the past, so I'm looking for God to do it that way in the future. What if I just say, forget about it? God, you're going to do it, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm just going to trust you and believe you, and I'm looking for something new from God. It's kind of like the trapeze guy. You know, they're swinging the, the two things. One is the past, and you're hanging on to that, and you're swinging back. God's over there pushing the trapeze of the future and wants to jump over. And some of us are so afraid to let go of that trapeze that we're hanging on to and take those moments in the air that seem so scary and grab on to the new future and the new things that God has for us. But that's what God wanted Judah to do 
That's what God wants us to do. I say, Pat, are you, you know, I know we're not in captivity. You know, you might say, Pat, are you pushing this a little bit? I, I don't think so. I wrestle with that myself. I want to make sure I'm fair to the text and fair to where we're living today. We're not in captivity. We're not looking for an exodus, or are we? Actually, as I read scripture in Romans 8, it says that our world is stuck in corruption. <laughs> Even our earth is looking forward to the time when the Lord and the new heaven, the new earth, and the redemption and the regeneration of creation. And we've learned in the scripture this, we are saved people. We're saved at the core of our being. We're brand new creatures at our core, but we're still living in an unsaved body in a unregenerate world and culture. And so I am looking forward to the future exodus as the one who sits on the throne says in Revelation 21, behold, I make all things new. And so we are looking forward to a future exodus from our captivity to our bodies and to our culture and the world around us in that new heaven and the new earth. But you know, there's a couple other things we should be grabbing onto every day. Listen to the Lamentations. And by the way, Jeremiah, when he wrote this, was in a situation way worse than 2020 or 2021. The whole city had been destroyed the, the, the southern kingdom was taken away into captivity. And he says this, starting in verse 19, remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down with me saying, God, remember my situation because I certainly remember it. It's on my mind and I'm all bowed down. Then he says this, this I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Brothers and sisters, we shouldn't be living off of yesterday's mercies and yesterday's loving kindness, and yesterday's compassions. Every day we should be excited to wake up and say, what new things do you have for me today, God, from your loving, compassionate hand, because I am precious in your sight and you love me. That's a new thing that the scripture says is new every day. We need to let go of hanging on to the past and the old and grab on to the new every morning and the new thing that God has for us in his mercy and his love. Then I think of Romans chapter seven, where I, uh, we've been discharged from the law so that we might serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Brothers and sisters, God hasn't mapped out a ritual for us like he did for Israel on how to live your life. He's given us the Holy Spirit and he's given us his word. And we have the freedom in the newness of the spirit and the newness of life to come to God every morning. God, what new opportunity do you have for me today? 
What new way can I bless others? What do you want to do in my life today? What do you want to teach me about you? The list goes on and on. We need to let go of the, what I'm going to call, some of us get locked up and we look beyond 21 and 22 and we go back and think of the good old days. The golden days, we call them. I want to encourage us this morning, rather than looking back to the golden days, I want to encourage you to look forward to the golden days. Look forward to the new things that God is going to do in your life. Look forward to the new compassions and mercies and loving kindness. Look forward to the newness of the spirit and the exciting new things that can happen every day. You know, this has spoken personally to me. And, you know, I usually try to use the first Sunday of the, uh, of the year to kind of what's been going on in my life and share that a little bit. You know, you've heard me say to you uh, many times that I'm in my fourth quarter as the pastor at Moraine. Well, I got news for you. Yes, that is true. I'm in the two-minute drill. It's no longer just the fourth quarter. And those who watch football know how important the two-minute drill is, even in some of the uh, college bowls that we watch. Two-minute drill, the game is won or lost right there. And you know what, guys? I know I'm in the two-minute drill. We've told you that our hope is by the end of this next year uh, that there'll be a new senior pastor at Moraine Valley Church. And you know, most people retire. I'll tell you this. I will say this as long as I just share my heart. I always say, God, let me know before I have a group standing at my door knocking and say, hey, Pat, it's time to go. And so I say, uh, thank you to Eric Beal's encouragement. He said, Pat, you really need to seek the Lord and, and see what he's saying to you. And so I did that. Kim and I went away and we sought the Lord and we felt he gave us a time. We shared that with a committee we call a transition committee that's in place to help us find the new senior pastor and help Kim and I transition out well. And they affirmed they thought that timing was wise. Our consultant thought it was wise. And so for me, this has been difficult because I just know the time is right. It's right for me and Kim and it's right for the church. And I believe that for so many reasons, which I'll share another day. But you know, a lot of people retire from what they have to do to be able to bring a paycheck home for the family so they can do what they've always really wanted to do. You know what I'm talking about? They're looking for that time I can retire. That's not my case. I'm doing what I love to do with the people I love. And so I'm leaving what I love and the people I love because I believe the Lord's led me into something new. So it's been hard for me and it's been hard for Kim. We just kind of look out into this future that just looks empty. But God uh, placed a man in our life uh, named uh, Doug Slaybaugh that Kim and I were able to spend some time with. And Doug challenged us from the first day we talked to him on the phone. He says, Pat, you gotta look at a future that is just as exciting and just as fulfilling and just as joyful as the one that you're living right now. The only way you'll succeed well in the future. If you're always looking back, look at what I gave up, I'm sad, now I kind of retired, I'm gonna sit at home, eat donuts all day and watch reruns, you know, I mean, 
you'll be going to my funeral within a year after I'm gone. But, uh, you know, so that's kind of all I saw. I said, this is it. I'm going into an empty hole. Life is done. But Doug challenges, Pat, you're not retiring, you're re-enlisting. You're re-enlisting into a new way of doing ministry and a new way of doing life. And he's exactly right. And that has so thrilled me to look forward to the new life and the new ministry that God's going to give me. And that excites me. And I'm expecting God to give me something that gives me just as much joy and just as much passion and just as much reason to get up every morning as I have right now. But I have to let go of the old. And I got to let grab on to the new. And the new opportunities and the new things that God is going to do for Kim and I. So I, I got to ask you, where are you at? What transitions are going on in your life right now? Talk, I went from a transition to a new year, talked about Kim and my transition. Maybe you're in a transition with work. And maybe things at work have changed. Maybe the, the boss has changed, the environment has changed. Maybe your job has changed. Maybe something has happened to your financial life that you can't live the way you used to. Or maybe there's added blessing to it that changes it. Maybe something has happened in your health and you are never gonna be able to live those good old days with your body that you used to be able to live. Maybe they're interchanged, maybe they're relationships. Maybe it was someone that you were close to or someone that you relied upon and did life with that just seems like it's kind of proven with time that's not really gonna last. Maybe God has some new things for you. Maybe it's even a sovereign act of God that just changes everything. I think of the high school girl. Well, let me start back in junior high. We'll go to junior high. You got a girl who's in junior high that has to make that big jump from junior high to high school. That's a major transition. And then she graduates from high school and she goes on to college. That's another major, major transition. And then she goes on from college out into a new job where all of her support systems and everything is different than the way it was in, in college. Everything has changed. And now she's moving out from mom and dad and she's living on her own and she's living as a single woman. All these are major changes. Then she gets married. You want to turn your life upside down. I call it the first cross-cultural experience. It's a great experience. But male and female are very different. And so again, you got a major transition that takes place. And then she has her first child. She's a new, the mother of a newborn. What a transition. What a change. Guess what? That newborn turns into a toddler in two years. Talking about a whole different way of mothering and a whole new transition for that woman. And then we move into junior high and high school. Eventually they move out and you become an empty nester. And then they get married and you become a grandma. And you know, the list keeps going on to the point that you finally maybe even come to a place where you're a widow and walking alone again. All of these are opportunities for us to embrace the new thing that God has for us. To let go of the past. To let go of God having to do it the way he did in the past. 
to grabbing on to the new things he has for me in the future. He was good in the past. He was faithful in the past. He loved me in the past. He's going to be good in the future. He's going to be faithful in the future. He's going to love me in the future. But the way he does it may change. And we need to grab on to that. So I just want to encourage you in closing. Don't look at the good old days in the past. Look at the good new days in the future. And is there something this morning that God's saying to you? I got to let go of. I've been hanging on to this. This is where I've been trying to find life. This is what I've been hoping in. And I just want to take a few moments just to spend with the Lord before we close in worship and just ask yourself, God, is there something that you're bringing into my life as a transition where you want me to let go of what I've been hanging on to and grab on to the new, miraculous, exciting thing you have for me? So, Father, I just want to ask you, would you continue to speak to us? Lord, if there is something specific in our lives that you're trying to put your finger on and saying, you know what, you're stuck in the past. God, I pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would put the weight of that upon our hearts and our minds. And Lord, would you give us the ability like a trapeze person to let go of that and grab onto the new and the exciting mercies and compassions that you have for us each day. I pray in Jesus' name.